Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I take you on a journey through faith and the words of the Bible in search of wisdom and guidance for our lives. I come from a Christian perspective, but I trust that people of all faiths will find something of value here. This week, I want to talk about one of the most beloved parables of Jesus. Jesus, a great teacher or rabbi, used these simple stories to illustrate what are often profound truths. The parables don't hit us over the head with their message. They require some thoughtful digging to mine the truths that lie within. And they may leave us with questions to ponder for a while. And that's why we can come back to these stories again and again and get something new from them each time. So sit back and enjoy this little gem from Luke 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that one that was lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Here ends the reading. Travel through the countryside of Israel today, and you may find yourself delayed by shepherds herding their flocks across the road, just as they've been doing for long before Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Sheep have long been central to the economy of the region. It's not surprising, then, that sheep also became deeply enmeshed with culture and religion of the Jewish people. The people Jesus was teaching to would easily pick up the imagery of the sheep and the shepherd. Even those of us who today live in areas where rural free-range shepherds are rare can picture what's going on. One of the most comforting passages in the Bible starts, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know what that means. One of the neat things about parables is that they often can be interpreted in different, equally, and valid ways. Much of what we get out of a parable will be dependent upon the perspective from which we approach it, or the character or characters in the story with whom we identify. Now, in this story, we could identify with the scribes and Pharisees, They are the ones to whom Jesus is really addressing this parable. Considering themselves devout Jews and strict inherits of the law, they criticize Jesus for his failure to follow the rules and are threatened by his popularity. Jesus sees them as hypocrites for putting following the letter of the law above love and concern for other people. There was a lifelong conflict between Jesus and and this religious elite, and they would eventually be complicit in his death. 
Another way to approach the story is through the perspective of the tax collectors and sinners. They were not characters within the parable itself either, but they were the people with whom Jesus was associating, much to the dismay of the more religiously correct scribes and Pharisees. Just a little background on the tax collectors and sinners is in order. First of all, tax collectors were an unpopular group among common citizens. While we may resent the agents of the IRS trying to separate us from our hard-earned shekels, at least they are functionaries of a legitimate government agency, no matter how unpopular its policies may be. Tax collectors in Jesus' society often were speculators and men's of men of dubious moral qualities. Many of the tax collectors of Jesus' day were simply self-serving crooks, putting inflated tax values on goods and then offering to lend the money with high interest rates back to those not able to pay. And they were in cahoots with the occupying foreign government from Rome. Sinners, on the other hand, is a more general term that could be applied to almost anybody. It becomes clear that at least some of those sinners in the parable were the Pharisees and scribes, members of the religious establishment, who personally benefited from the corrupt tax laws that were, were ostensibly used to support the temple, but in reality lined their pockets and provided them with a lavish lifestyle. Ironically, they fail to see Jesus is talking about them. They identify sinners as less reputable members of society with whom Jesus chooses to associate. If we choose to identify with the scribes and Pharisees, the story is likely to take us out of our comfort zone. Jesus would be forcing us to look at our own lives in hypocrisy that we often exhibit by looking down on those we consider as riffraff around us. And further, Jesus might even accuse us of being corrupt and using corrupt means to take advantage of the poor and needy, needy, just like those tax collectors and sinners. We might also choose to identify with tax collectors and sinners. On the one hand, it may make us feel uncomfortable to see ourselves as being corrupt and sinful. On the other hand, this perspective would assure us that Jesus accepts us for whomever we are. It would be a parable of forgiveness and redemption. Now, these may or may not be helpful ways to approach this parable, but to tell you the truth, I think many of us have been personally beat up a lot lately. We're aware of our sinfulness and our hypocrisy. We get reminded of it all the time. Every time we turn around, it seems that someone is pointing a finger at us for being unjust or even abusive. If we aren't taking advantage of other people, we're accused of showing a lack of concern for our planet. Now, don't get me wrong, we should be self-reflective and claim responsibility for the impact of our lives that they, we have on others and our environment. But there's plenty of guilt to go around, so much, in fact, that we often become numb to it. And that's the reason that I want us to look at the parable of the lost sheep from the perspective of that one lost and lonely sheep itself. What would this story teach us and how would it make us feel if we identified with one of those woolly beasts? Let's engage in a little thought experiment. Imagine yourself as a sheep who's part of a large flock 
munching on lush green grass on the side of a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. You're comfortable and warm and feel safe with all your woolly buddies pushing in around you. There's safety from the wolves and other predators who roam these hills. In addition to your ovine friends, you live constantly under the watchful eye of a man who carries a large stick to beat off any wolves that might try to attack. This guardian, who they call a shepherd, even shows affection toward you. Even though the dog that accompanied the shepherd sometimes nipped at your heels, even he was there to protect you, not to harm you. Life is good and secure. Yes, the grass tasted good. Too good. You are so involved in your munching that feeling a sudden chill, you look up and round you, you find that you're alone in a cold and silent world. Your 99 friends are gone. Somehow the shepherd and his dog didn't notice that you've strayed from the group. You were not meant to be alone. Immediately you start bleeding, frantically calling out for help for someone to come and save you. Then suddenly your feet leave the ground and you feel yourself hoisted up from behind by a pair of strong hands. It's your beloved shepherd, your savior, who flings you over his shoulder and carries you up the hill. It seems like he is almost hugging you. He seems relieved, as relieved as you are as he places you gently back in the company of the flock. Life is good again. In the future, you vow to pay more attention to your surroundings. Now what does this story tell you? What is its point? Pretty simple, really. The shepherd, who had lots of sheep, cares about the one seemingly insignificant sheep who wandered off. He isn't mad. He goes out and finds the sheep and lovely, lovingly brings it home. And Jesus says, God is like that. Even though you and I are insignificant sheep lost in a flock of seven billion other sheep in the world, God comes looking for us when we get lost. God searches out and brings us home. But why was the sheep lost? He was lost because he became separated from his flock, the group that keep him warm and safe. He wandered off from the shepherd and his dog, and without warning, he comes to his senses and realizes that he is alone. He's vulnerable. There is no one there that he can count on if something bad happens. There is no one to share his joy with. The grass loses its taste when he is alone. Many years ago, a mother came to see me to ask if I would perform a memorial service for her daughter, a junior high aged student who had committed suicide. And with her, she brought a charcoal drawing that her daughter had made. It was a silhouette of a girl alone on a park bench with her head in her hands. That haunting picture projected an aching loneliness. And I could picture this girl sitting by herself at a table in a school lunchroom full of laughing kids. You know, I don't know, and it really doesn't matter what separated that young lamb from her flock, but it hurts to be alone. It really doesn't matter why. It hurts to be alone 
and she felt alone even in the middle of a crowded cafeteria. She literally died of loneliness. And by the way, if you or anyone you know has thoughts of, of suicide of their own, contact a health professional, a pastor, or dial 988, the new suicide prevention hotline. No one should be alone. During the act of creation in the book of Genesis, God says, it's not good for us to be alone. I saw one medical professional who claimed that suffering from loneliness is more detrimental to our physical health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, I don't know how accurate his assessment was, but when we feel lonely, our life isn't what it should be. Do you ever feel alone or isolated? Maybe you just woke up one morning and you feel like all those that you relied on have deserted you. You feel like that one sheep. People don't answer your texts anymore. You may even want to cry out for someone to come and save you. If so, you are probably not living your life up to the fullest. The good news is that there is a cure for our loneliness that is much preferable to the radical solution that that young girl took. Now, I don't want to blame the victim, but one of the reasons that we can feel alone is that we are too absorbed with ourselves and what we're doing that we neglect those around us. We're totally involved with our work lives and getting ahead in the world to the detriment of human relationships. There are a lot of forces at work on us that tell us we need to make it on our own. Americans are known as rugged individualists. It made us who we are. And we still have that frontier spirit of our ancestors heading out alone into the wilderness. But when we start to live like we don't need anyone else, the people around us eventually start to drift away. And by the time we lift our heads and look around, we're lost. Why would we want to insulate ourselves from the very people who could cure our loneliness? Maybe, as I just said, it's just because we're too self-absorbed and busy to make it a priority to be with other people. But sometimes we cut ourselves from others because we're afraid. We're afraid that they'll reject us. We're afraid that friendship demands too much of our effort and attention. We're afraid that we'll lose our alone time. Or maybe we're just plain stubborn and proud. So what's the cure for our loneliness according to the parable? The obvious and most simple answer is that Jesus, the good shepherd, is there to pick us up and make us feel loved again. In the words of Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm fine, found. I didn't have to do anything to find my way back. I was found. That sounds good, and faith makes us feel less alone. There is comfort in faith and prayer. God does reach out for us. But that's not really the whole point of what this parable tells us. According to the parable, it's not the company of the shepherd that's most comforting. The shepherd takes the lost sheep and reunites it with the flock. The cure for loneliness is found in community.
And the Good Shepherd puts us back into community. Now, there are lots of types of communities that we can be a part of. Seeing as this is a parable of Jesus, the first community that comes to mind is a faith community, like a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. These are places where we are bound together by systems of shared beliefs. But in these faith communities, we also learn the importance of family, our neighbors, and the people we work with. Our faith, in my case, through the teachings of Jesus, I learn that it is necessary to live with love and compassion. I also learn to accept the love and compassion that others offer me. I am lovable, and I am loved. Most importantly, I'm not alone. Having once been lost and experiencing the terror of being alone can teach us a lesson. It can teach us to be aware of the importance of the people around us. And while we're munching the grass, we will lift our heads up once in a while to check in with the flock around us. We might even keep our eyes open for other sheep who are about to wander off. And we will give thanks to the shepherd who is keeping us together and who we know will go and find us when we get lost again. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May you never feel alone. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace.